ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, inside X-Golf Katie, here's the bees knees themselves, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham, it's Brian McDonald behind the glass at Gal. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It is a Friday edition of the Killer Bees. Blankers is out at X-Golf. Sounds like a lot of fun. I was listening to a little bit of Joe because I miss him a little bit. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, That's the spot to be. Jeremy, you would absolutely love this place. It is the most realistic golf simulators I've ever seen. And it's like the best combination of your favorite sports bar and all the golf you can get. And the guys are having a great time out here. They've got a a challenge where uh, Chris, the owner, and his pro and his GM uh, posted a score in a scramble. And now anybody, they have all weekend to try and beat them on the same course with handicaps and everything. And there's prizes and all kinds of cool stuff, but this place is off the chain. It's really, really cool. So he he was in a, he did a scramble. Yeah, and the great thing is he was telling me this morning, like he they did it last night. Four but he guys? said because three they only had three guys. So they three posted guys, fifteen under. Scramble. Okay, dang. yeah. But and he said you know you can do it with two, you can do it with four. He's like we're gonna we're gonna do it. However, but he was telling me because I was like you know what I just don't have time to play eighteen anymore. You and I always talk about this. He's like, yeah, me and my pro have this challenge where we try to play 18 holes in less than 27 minutes. Oh, gosh. And he's like, and we go simulator next to simulator. And he goes, I beat him, like, by a couple of minutes this morning. I'm like, that is amazing. When you don't have to go chase your ball or whatever, and the ball pops yeah. right back up, and you can just keep playing. It's pretty cool. That's a good way to do some cardio. That's, like, my type of cardio. Because I, I hate cardio. It swings that it. would Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a, you're, you're active for, you know, 30 minutes if you can't beat the 27 mark. I like that. I like that a lot. Chris has got some game. I'll I'll say this, but the fact that he's rapid-firing, playing 18 holes in less than a half hour, that's pretty badass. Did you hit some balls today? No, I didn't have time. I've been running around with the – Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there. It looks awesome. Uh, They have have the full drinks, too. I saw that, huh? Oh, look, full food, drinks, all the TVs, and the cool thing is, is like Chris was telling me the golf tournament comes on at 3. He goes, one of the simulators to our right is not being used. We're going to put the golf tournament on the simulator screen. <laughs> so ceiling to floor golf action and sports, it's it's really a good spot. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, X-Golf, your spot to be if you're heading off work here anytime soon. Uh, get out there. Get out there to X-Golf. Say hello to Blankers. Play play some, play some 9, play 18. Uh, get out there this weekend. Take a couple buds. Try to beat that, uh, that 15 under. Might be a tall task, but try to beat that 15 under. Uh, there's going to be a real Astros baseball game tomorrow, Blankers. Spring training. Awesome. It, is, it is spring training, so we do have that caveat. Ronel Blanco is going to be starting, which, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter, really matter who's starting these games uh, in spring training. But we're going to see Joe Espada's first lineup tomorrow, which I'm not going to do the what's wrong with Espada's lineup until the uh, <laughs> the regular season. I'm, not, I'm holding off on that until opening day. I don't really care what the spring training lineups look like. Like, you're trying to give guys at-bats. You're trying to give guys, you know, get your eyes on some guys that you might want to get your eyes on. He's probably going experiment he's gonna dabble so i don't i don't care what he's doing in spring training now once opening day comes around all bets are off we're right back in it what's wrong with a spot is lineup but what do you want that opening day lineup to be if you had your druthers if you're the one filling in that uh, that lineup card on opening day when the astros open the 2024 season what does your opening day lineup look like well 
different than you probably, but I'm still going to have Altuve leading off, hitting first. I'm going to have I'm going to have um, I'm going to have Bregman in the two. I'm going to have Tucker in the three, Jordan in the four, and then Abreu fifth. Then I need six, seven, eight, nine. Then Yiner. <laughs> then Yiner. And then I'm going to go Chaz, Pena, and Jake. Okay. Um, it is a little different than mine. I, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. I don't really care who hits in the top four spots. Like, those those spots to me are interchangeable. I don't care where they're at in order as long as those are my top four. I need Bregman, right. Jordan, Altuve, Tucker to be in my top four. You want to move them around where Altuve's leading off like he has been the last few years since Springer left, that's fine. You, you want Jordan batting fourth, okay, that's fine. Uh, do you want to have back-to-back lefties like you do? I, I don't really care. Like, I don't really care where those top four are hitting. I have my favorite – but I don't, as long as those four are my top four, I don't mind. Like, some people want Pena to hit second because Pena has really good numbers whenever he hits second. Sorry, but Jeremy Pena is not one of my top four hitters, not one of my top five hitters, not one of my top six hitters, not one of my – he's probably not even my top seven hitters. He's probably eighth. I'm not making decisions based around my eighth best offensive player. If you want to get protection for Jeremy Pena, there's other ways to do that. So I don't care about my top four as long as those guys are in my top four. No, I'm with you as well, uh, and and you know we've gone back and forth on some of these previously, but the fact of the matter is, is that you know who your best hitters are, and you can you know Joe Espada can shuffle to his heart's content. I mean, some people are also going to nitpick about leadoff, but the fact of the matter is, is, you've got enough guys there with the offensive prowess and setting the table and the opportunity to to get runs in, and you're not dealing with guys that you still have some question marks about. We're wondering about if Chaz can come back and have another year like he did a year ago. We're wondering with the first full season, not that there's as much doubt, but that Yiner picks up where he left off, and and you know it becomes even more consistent when he's playing every day. Um, and we don't know what Jake Myers we're going to get, and we don't know you know Jeremy Pena with these changes to his stance and things like that. We're curious to see, you know, what kind of results we're going to get from that too. So, and of course, Abreu, without even saying anything else, we want second half of last year Abreu as well, hoping that all these guys kind of take it to where they needs to be. The, the, the fact is, is that with all those questions or those things to discuss, the top four ain't changing. No, this is this is what I have my lineup that I would my, – my dream scenario, I'm the one filling it out, so I'm the one that can make the decisions. I'm going Alex Bregman in the leadoff spot. I know Bregman doesn't run well. Um, running really doesn't matter at the leadoff spot anymore. Kyle Schwarber is a leadoff hitter in Philadelphia. Go look at some of these other leadoff guys. Like Running is not that big part of uh, being in the leadoff spot anymore. So Bregman, because he's got high contact and a great eye, and he sees a lot of pitches. Like I like a leadoff guy that sees a lot of pitches. I like a leadoff guy that gets on base a ton. And Alex Bregman does that. So Alex Bregman's my leadoff guy. I am going to play the righty-lefty game. Righty-lefty game. Righty-lefty game. Uh, I, I do think it's it's not as important as it once was prior to the three-batter minimum. But I do still like to split up my righties and lefties if I can. I'm not opposed to going lefty-lefty at all. Uh, like, your lineup's fine. Like, Tucker, Jordan, that's okay. Like, I have no issue with that at all. Uh, but if I had my druthers and I could do it, I will do the righty-lefty thing. And I also am a huge fan of my best offensive player batting in the first two spots of my lineup. So Jordan Alvarez is my number two hitter. He's followed by Jose Altuve, so again, another righty. Jose Altuve doesn't walk a lot, but he's a high-average guy, and he hits for a lot of power. Uh, I want a guy 
that's hitting third to have power, and I want him to have some people on base when he does hit those home runs. Uh, I don't like all these. Like, Jose Altuve is going to hit 30 home runs out of the leadoff spot and drive in 50 runs. Like, I, I don't like that. I don't think you're getting the most out of Jose Altuve. And then Kyle Tucker is going to be in that four spot for me. He's going to be the one that cleans up everybody who's gotten on base in front of him. After that, I think Yiner's your best offensive player after that. So I'm not playing the veteran game. Oh, Jose Abreu knows how to drive in runs. Oh, and I know that Yiner didn't have a good uh, year last year with runners in scoring position. I don't care. I'm going with the talent. Uh, Yiner Diaz is easily your best hitter after those four. So Yiner's my number five hitter. Jose Abreu, I'll go with him in, at the sixth spot, just ahead of Chaz. I, I, that's probably where I deliberated the most was 6-7 between Abreu and Chaz. Because if I'm not going the veteran game and I'm playing talent, you can make a case the Chaz should be ahead of Abreu. But I'm going to go Abreu at six, Chaz at seven, and I'm going to go with Jake Myers in the eighth spot over Jeremy Pena in the ninth spot because I think Jeremy Pena is the more dangerous hitter. Well, what are you talking about? If Pena is the more dangerous hitter, why are you batting him ninth and not eighth? Well, I think he does thrive after having guys behind him that can hit. Why is he so good in the two-hole? Because he's got some dudes that are behind him, and he's getting good pitches to hit. So because Jeremy Pena has more upside, I think Pena can get more out of Myers with protection behind him. I'm actually batting Jeremy Pena in the nine-hole. Pick it apart. It's Well, the thing that I would say is, too, is what we've talked about in the past. That secondary leadoff position can be a big position when you've got the talent in the first four that the Astros have. And he could also, you know, turn the lineup over and set the table very quickly. So I'm totally fine with that. I have the most question marks about Jake, as you know. So I'm fine with that as well. The Abreu thing is interesting to me because of the fact that it can fluctuate so much because of what we've seen. But if he picks up where he left off, I think there's a chance that he could actually slide you know, and stay consistently up around 5-6. But the, the, the key is going to be, is Joe Espada going to be loyal like Dusty was to the veteran player, no matter where how he's hitting? Or is Joe going to play the hot hand and say, you know what, I understand that you know time in the league and all those things mean something, but what does that mean other than your pension and the back of your baseball card? I'm going to ride the hot hand, and if Yiner gets hot or Abreu gets hot, I can shuffle some guys to make sure that I'm getting my, my most premium hitters at the top part of that lineup. So I, I don't have a lot of qualms with yours either. I, I think that the good news is is that you have options because of the talent that you have, one through nine, that you're not dealing with a year ago when you had a Maldi that was an instant out that you just were trying to hide and, and, and hope he didn't come up with key situations. This is a much more potent offensive lineup just because of that factor alone. I am curious how they handle Abreu because, you know, last year Dusty favored the veterans. Uh, Abreu was like – Abreu was his cleanup man forever. Like, he refused to move Tucker ahead of Abreu. Uh, Two-part, the veteran part of it, and then also the lefty-righty part of it. But then even after he was willing to move Tucker into the top four, Abreu was still hitting their fifth whenever Chaz was outperforming him, Yiner was outperforming him. Um, so, like, how does Ho- uh, how does Espada handle Jose Abreu? I- I'm going to be very curious with that. I'm going to be very curious to see if Espada goes away from the what we – what we've seen as, as the norm. Like Jose Altuve being the leadoff man with Dusty Baker after Springer left was the norm. That was the norm. Even And Jose Altuve's talked about how he doesn't love leading off either. Um, so, like, I'm very interested to see if Espada is willing to change things up with what we've come to know as the norm, the Dusty norm, if you will. I, I, I think he is. I, I think that – when you've heard some of his his quotes coming out of a spring training already, he seems to feel like 
hey, you know what? We're going to do things a little differently. We're going to do the, you know, play baseball the way it's supposed to be played. And I firmly believe that he's not going to worry or rest on the laurels of the guy he's replacing. If he, this is his first go round, but he's going to do it his way, and I love that because I think that he's probably. I, I'm interested. My my personal interest too is going to be on how he rests guys. Because you know that I had qualms, just like when you had, you know, the tweets about, you know, what's wrong with Dusty's lineup. My biggest thing was if a guy's hot, then don't sit him down. And we saw time and time again guys that got hot were sit sat down because Dusty felt like they have to rest. I'm curious to see how he handles that, but I firmly believe that in terms of the lineup, he's gonna he's gonna ride the hot hands and he's gonna put them in the right spots in the lineup, regardless of how many years they played in the league. Brian, you have a, a nine that you like? Yeah, and it's kind of a mix and match and kind of uh, putting things together from what both of you have, but I, I liked bits and pieces of what you guys came up with. I'm with Jeremy. I would bat Alex Bregman lead off. I just want whoever is on my team that's going to get on base the most to be leading off, and to me that's definitely Alex Bregman. Uh, I do flip-flop his power hitting lefties for two and four. I would have Kyle Tucker hitting second with a little bit of speed there, Altuve third, and then Jordan hitting four. Uh, and as long as those guys are the top four, like you guys said, I don't have a huge problem with how they're shaking, you know, how it shakes out, but that would be my top four. Uh, I'm with Jeremy. I would put Yonder Diaz uh, number five, not only because he's the best hitter after those top four, but I also think he's showed last year to be a bit of a free swinger who doesn't take a lot of pitches. So the best case scenario that I could give him to see better pitches and not be further down the lineup where he might be avoided, I think I would like to take that scenario uh, versus moving him down in the lineup. Uh, I would follow that by uh, uh, hitting uh, Abreu at five, or or, I'm sorry, at six, and then Chaz at seven. And I do like the idea of uh, hitting Jake eighth and then Pena ninth. That way Pena, hopefully with Bregman and Altuve, or Bregman, Tucker, Altuve right after him, gets the same sort of uh, treatment that I'm hoping Yonder Diaz gets and gets more fastballs, gets better pitches to hit. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Blakers goes Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, Jordan, Abreu, Yiner, Chaz, Pena, Myers, Brian, Bregman, Tucker, Altuve, Jordan, Yiner, Abreu, Chaz, Myers, Pena. I'm Bregman, Jordan, Altuve, Tucker, Yiner, Abreu, uh, Chaz, Myers, Pena. Which of the three do you like more, Blankers, BMAX, or mine? And what would your starting nine be? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. You can search for us on YouTube as well at uh, ESPN Houston. Just go to YouTube, plug in ESPN Houston. We are there. Joel's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Brian's at Sacked by BMAC. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Also, when we come back, you know, I was thinking about this. The Astros have done a really poor job bringing out the best in Jake Myers. I'll explain. Killer Bees live from X-Golf and Katie on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, a moment for my friends out here at X-Golf. X-Golf is the most badass golf simulators I've seen in the Houston area. X-Golf and Katie at I-10 and 99 is a can't miss for any golf fan in this Houston area. Whether the weather's good, the weather's bad, it's nighttime or a different time, you need to get to X-Golf because you can play golf at any hour of the day or night and you can get 18 holes in in no time at all as opposed to waiting on a golf course. The simulator's off the hook. I'm telling you, the most accurate putting that I've ever been on, this 
is where you need to be, and you can really hone in on your skills and really tune up your game. You can play with your own brand of golf ball if you'd like, load them into the simulator, really work on the touch and feel, and then when you're done, take the balls back out of the machine and put them back in your golf bag. It's fantastic. As I mentioned, grand opening weekend. they got a long drive contest on Saturday and Sunday. It doesn't cost anything to enter. Closest to the pin, another one, a contest on Saturday and Sunday. And the same thing with a putting contest. you got a chance to do all that with great specials going on. $3 draft beer, $2 bottles and cans, 20% off all food, 20% off golf with a two-hour minimum reservation. you got to get out here and see Chris and everybody out here on staff and tell them how much you love this place. Because if you go once, you're going to go a, a whole bunch. Because you, if you love golf, you would love this place. It's the best combination I've found of a sports bar and a golf play, golf range all in one, all indoors, in the comfort, like you're in your own home. Check them out today, X Golf Katie. Check them out on the online as well. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're one of us. I need you to become the man you were always meant to be. Not next year, not tomorrow. Bees are coming to you live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios inside X Golf Katie. One of these guys is going to beat the other in a golf simulation death match. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Uh, X Golf is where the boys can be boys, by the way. I'll go Blankers, Branham, Brian if we were playing a, a round of, of golf on the X Golf simulators. Any objections for anybody? No, I'm terrible at golf. So I would definitely be last. There you go. There we go. I think it would be that way. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, 7539. I like Brian's lineup the best simply for having Tucker second. The speed, the speed plays much better with high-contact hitters behind him. That's fine. Like I have no problem with Tucker. In the t- I would love Kyle Tucker uh, in the two-hole. Uh, 7248. Pause. First half production, McCormick works his way into the one or two hole. Do you envision a scenario where Chaz hits first or second? Was it last year where there was like a – I think yeah. it was last year when Altuve was down yep. the first part of the year where he had some games where he was hitting first and then he got hurt like a week later. Um, let's eliminate injury. Do you see a scenario where Chaz is first or second in the Astro batting lineup? I don't. Not at all. Uh, I mean, obviously that was a situation last year where Dusty was playing personal feelings and, and you know – favoritism with like we talked about veterans and otherwise and trying to figure out where Pena was most comfortable we just got done talking about the fact that those four guys are interchangeable but those four guys are not interchangeable outside of the first four slots in the lineup in my opinion I think Chaz is just fine and bolsters the bottom part of your lineup but I don't think there's any scenario where I see him cracking the top four yeah I really I don't see it either um Maybe he can get his high to fifth. Like if we're assuming health, like I could see him out. I could see him being the fifth best offensive player for the Astros. I could see him, and maybe even higher. But he's not going to get the preferential treatment over a Bregman. Like you're not going to bump down Bregman out of the top four for Chaz, even if he's producing a little bit better. Certainly not Tucker. Certainly not Jordan. Certainly not Altuve. So I could see Chaz being a top five hitter without ever hitting first or second. That's an interesting conversation because of the fact that if we expect that Yiner is going to you know, with everyday reps, g- going to get better or pick up where he left off. That that if that's a hell of a lineup, I would assume because I don't expect Yiner to fall off the planet. But if Chaz is doing that, then that's even better for the entire lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be really good for the lineup. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. So I was thinking about this the other day. Also, Chandler Rome talking about – he wrote a story, he wrote a piece on, uh, on Jake Myers in The Athletic. And I started to think, man, they haven't done what's right by Jake Myers. And, and not that they should. Like, I'm not saying that Jake Myers should be the priority over the Houston Astros. Just like Jeremy Pena spotting him into the Houston Astros lineup should never be the priority. Like, he's your seventh, eighth, ninth best offensive player. Why are you building a lineup around uh, Jeremy Pena? In fact, I would reverse engineer my lineups. I'm, I'm picking my best hitter, and I'm saying, where is the best spot for my best hitter? If it's second, cool. If it's fourth, cool. Uh, that, that's what I would do with Jordan. Like, okay, Jordan's my best hitter. Where does he hit best? Where does he give our team the best chance to win? Okay, it's two. Well, then I'm filling out Jordan Alvarez in the two spot before I fill out anything else. If it's four, cool. I'm putting Jordan Alvarez in the cleanup spot before I do anything else. I'm going best player to worst player and reverse engineering the whole lineup anyways. But it's So it's kind of the same thing with Jake Myers. Like, Jake Myers should never be the focal point of what the Astros have been doing uh, in the last three years. But... They have not done right by Jake Myers. Go back to the injury. Like You can't avoid that. Like The injury is the injury. That's just unlucky. Unlucky. It was a playoff game, going to the wall, trying to make a good play. Uh, unfortunate. You wish it never happened. It happened. Uh, no one's to blame for that. But the next year, remember how they rushed him back? And remember Dusty Baker was like, man, he's not ready. And we just thought it was Dusty being Dusty, but Dusty ended up being right. Like That was the first example of treating him not, not, not that they were did it intentionally, not because they were doing it poor, like treating him poorly, uh, intentionally, like they were trying to add him to the team. But that was the first example of decisions the Astros have made that have been consequential for Jake Myers having success again. Yeah, and I'm trying to think about was there any reason like to rush him back because there was not still really. depth on the on the entire roster, right? I, 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 that's what I was thinking. There wasn't any real uh, sense of urgency and immediacy that you have to get him back, mm-hmm. like you were missing out on what he, you know, what he, you didn't have when he was out of the lineup. He was a nice story, and he had played well until he got hurt, but I didn't think that there was any kind of urgency to have to have him back that quickly. The, the only thing I can remember was uh, he was James Click's baby. Remember the, yeah. the story oh, where yeah. it's like you have to be willing to get fired for this guy, and he's like, okay, I will, and it was it was him. It was him. So uh-huh. I think that that was the biggest reason that they rushed him back was like, it's James Click, this is his darling, and he's trying to get him back into the lineup because it's the guy that he stood on the table for, uh, which, you know, you can kind of you, – you get it. Now, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, and in retrospect, not really a good decision. Uh, then you look at last year. Well, remember too, excuse me, real quick, but real quick, remember now, Click was the one that started the whole center fielder of the future. Oh, like for sure. Every, yeah, every time Myers came up, it was center fielder of the future. Well, he also traded Straw. Remember, he traded Straw at the deadline yes, right. for Jake Myers to get you know the call, and then Chaz was involved there too because Jazz was outperforming Miles Straw, and he, you know Dusty refused to to you know bench Straw and play Chaz more. But that was that was part of that equation too. Last year, I don't think the Astros really treated him well. You had uh, you had Michael Brantley getting hurt. And he still couldn't get consistent playing time. Um, Corey Jolks was playing just as much as Jake Myers. Like, is that the right thing to do? I would argue that no, not really. Like, their offensive numbers are very similar. Jake's slightly better, actually. And then Jake plays center field at a good to, you know, really good level, whereas Jolks is a corner outfielder. So the fact that, you know, Myers didn't get consistent playing time when you had an injury to Michael Brantley, another example of not doing what is right for Jake Myers. Yeah, no, you, you're right, and it's again where you can be somebody's darling, and the, the the next person's odd man out is simply just a change in any kind of 
uh, leadership or, or in this case, like a general manager. I, I think that, you know, exit click and exit all thoughts and maybe with a little bit, of, some people might have even gotten a little bit rubbed the wrong way when you talk about whether it be Dusty or others that be like, hey, this was a guy that was handpicked to be the center fielder of the future when we didn't see enough of him. And the minute that click exited, I think all of that talk and all of that kind of the idea that he should be out there consistently changed. And for him personally, that had to be a huge struggle to have to deal with because you had to be jacked up and excited when you figured out that there was a GM that believed in in him and, and was seeing big thoughts for him for the future. And then all of a sudden – they're, they're not there anymore, and obviously his health goes with that, and, and there was a lot that you and I have talked about in terms of offensively and defensively, how he changed and how he took steps back because of what he had been through, but that had to be really tough for him to deal with mentally to know that, hey, you know, I might not be in the favor of the new guy like I was the old guy. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they should have ever had preferential treatment to Jake Myers. This is more of collateral damage of an injury and then maybe having a manager that didn't love for sure love Jake Myers like rushing him like in rushing him back wasn't even Dusty's call that was more clicks call Dusty was not in favor of that and I think that we saw that and I think it affected his confidence too which stinks uh last year not getting the consistent playing time even with the Brantley being hurt like there was that three-man rotation for a while remember remember Corey Jolks Jake Myers and Chas McCormick you had two spots to fill and those those three guys were like rotating who got the day off and Dre asked on Twitch well, well who should have Jake Myers gotten like you know preferential treatment over you know I love Corey Jolks go Cougs but probably Corey Jolks you know Jake Myers yep. was a 227 hitter Jolks was 245 so okay advantage Jolks there but Myers was a 296 on base Jolks was a 297 that's a wash and Jake Myers actually slugged better 382 to 352 their OPS plus 86 for Jake Myers 79 for, for Corey Jolks and that's not even factoring in that Myers plays an above average to good to really good at center field depending on who you ask and jokes is a left fielder yeah and i you know look i didn't say you said that i understood that i i just think that that's the way business goes that's the way sports goes that all of a sudden you know there are favorites played and things can change in a heartbeat when changes are made and it, it to me what i saw was a guy that might have been affected and we talk about how yiner's game was affected when he wasn't consistently in the lineup and and, and a lot of guys go through that I think it had to be tough for Jake Myers, no matter how healthy he was at the time, that he knew that like he was pressing because there was so much added to his plate in terms of expectations or have to prove it again uh, when he tried to come back. And maybe that was a reason why he didn't look the same and he didn't play the same, as well as trying to still recover from those injuries. I just I don't know what you guys would, would think of this opinion, but it feels like, and not that you guys are in this camp, but it feels like the people who are still backing Jake Myers and the idea that he can be this plus starter uh, for the Houston Astros are kind of falling uh, or still falling prey to this false potential that he maybe had three seasons ago. I mean, what what everyone points to the 2021 season. I mean, it was he, he was good. I mean, 162 game pace of 20 home runs and 93 RBI. That'd, that'd be great. I would take that obviously right now without question. But it was 146 at bats. I mean, it was 146 at bats in 2021, and since then he hasn't been good. He's going to turn 28 in the middle of the summer, which you know by this point you're at your physical peak, or maybe even on the way down from your physical peak, which pretty much already know who you are i don't think there's going to be some drastic change from what jake myers has produced i think if he had a higher level he would have shown it by now 
you know how I feel. I don't have any confidence. Look, how he's treated and what I expect of him are two different things. And the, 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 the case can be made because of the things we've discussed in terms of just the change in general manager and other things, and, and Dusty versus Joe Espada versus, you know, however the situation played itself out with a platoon. I just don't believe in Jake Myers as my everyday center fielder. And I know that we've gone back, we've gone back and forth a couple times before on this. Uh, he's an above-average center fielder, fine. I, I just I, I don't like what I've seen, and, and, and I hope I'm wrong, but I just I don't like what I've seen from him offensively. I don't think he's ever going to be like a, a plus hitter. Like I, He's not going to be that guy. He's a defensive-minded center fielder. Like I think he's a, Kevin, a poor man's Kevin Kiermaier. Like, and can you get away with having that? Like, can you get away with having good defensive center fielder, not a very good offensive player, uh, with what you have on this team? I think that you can. Like, I, center field to me, is, that's a position where you can do that. Like, I'm cool having a defensive-minded center fielder. If he's going to play a high level of defense in center field relative to the rest of the league, let's say he's top five, top ten defensively, and then offensively he's better than Martin Maldonado. Like, I think that that's good enough for this team. Is it like what we want? Like, no. Like, we would love Chaz McCormick to be able to be the everyday center fielder, and they signed Jorge Soler. But from what they have with this roster, I'm fine letting Jake Myers fail. If he fails, okay. Well, you trade for a left-handed bat at the deadline. He's your new left fielder. Chaz McCormick's your new center fielder. And you can find left-handed bats at the deadline. Like, it's like one of the easier things to do. An expiring contract that can hit a little bit in the corner outfield spot. So I'm okay for this three-, four-month experiment to try to, like, finally get our answer if Jake Myers is the guy. And I think he can hold his own more defensively than offensively. Like, I think he's a better-than-an-average you know, replacement-level player. I think he's more of a fourth outfielder, quite frankly. I think he's a platoon outfielder. I think you should start against lefties, be a defensive replacement in center field, and that's why I wanted a left-handed bat. Like, I wanted a left-handed bat that would be my starting left fielder, Chaz plays center, and then whenever you have a lefty on the mound, you sit the left-handed bat, you play Jake in center field, and there you go. So that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, no, you're not alone. You know, we both wanted a bat as well as even after they added Hater, if they were willing to go over, I was hoping that they still had one more move left in them. Um, that would have been great. Uh, I Like I said, I hope I'm wrong on Jake offensively, but it, it is the luxury of having a lineup that's as, that's as talented as this lineup seems to be that unless guys take you know serious steps back, you have some leeway here to figure out truly once and for all who he is and what he can be for you before you have to consider if he has to, you know, figure out if you have to figure out if he has to do that for somebody else. So that's one of, that's one of my favorite storylines. My bad. Go, no, yeah, that, I that's why that's, I told yeah. you from from the jump. I'm watching center field because mm-hmm. I prefer to have Chaz in center field. But if you you know want to use the spring training into the first part of the season to figure out what Jake can be, so be it. I think where we agree. Like, I think we feel a little differently on Jake. I don't feel like we're that far off on Jake. Uh, But, like, where we disagree is, like, his capability to be a starting center fielder and then, like, how good he is defensively. Uh, You're probably more, like, pretty good. I'm probably more, like, really good. But I think where we share the same mindset is that you better have your answer before the trade deadline. And if he's bad – you better make a move before the trade deadline. Like I'll concede that 100%. Like this is this is his final chance. Are the months from opening day until July and then we have our answer. We'll forever have our answer. Well, plus Jeremy, think about this. It's the same way when we're talking about the Texans and we're talking about depth and whether you call it an insurance policy as well, but at least built in you have two options if he doesn't pan out to be the guy because you know that Dubon has been capable of playing out there. 
I've been strong to say that I would love Chaz to be my everyday center fielder and give him first crack at it. If they're going to start with Myers in center and Chaz in left or platooning in left with Jordan, we'll see how that goes. But you have an insurance policy or two built in if he doesn't work out because at least you got two guys on your roster that are capable of playing there. Yeah, a lot of people are saying Dubon. I like Dubon more as a utility guy. Now, he could be a good backup like in a plan B if Jake is a failure. Like, if Jake's a failure, then, well, that's your plan B. Uh, but I like Dubon more as a super utility than I do a starting center fielder. Yeah, that's my point. You've got two guys that are capable of taking the spot from him if it doesn't work out with him. And even if you want Dubon, that's why it's great to have two. Because even if I'm with you, if Dubon is your utility guy, the, the, the Swiss Army knife, then Chaz can slide over. I know you're not high on having Jordan play a lot of games in left field, 51 at least, please. But at the <laughs> same time, you have options. Yeah, I just don't know who your DH is there. Like, there's I, well, not, I mean, there's not that, unless, unless you're talking more like future trade deadline, because you just don't have like a natural everyday DH. And I, I get the, you know, you want to give guys days off, and, but I'm talking about your best nine. Like your best nine, Jordan's your left fielder, and then, okay, well, who's your DH? Yeah, it, that that is going to be interesting because you could put a Brayu there if you want to get some some run for somebody else, or you could put uh, Caratini there. You, yeah. you could rotate some guys, but yeah, ideally you'd like to have one more guy. That's why we kept yes, saying, yep. and there's still guys out there, but you could still do something if you felt the need. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. Speaking of these Astros, there's a few of them that are on Weight Watchers. I think which weight guy are you most encouraged slash concerned about? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer Bees ESPN ninety seven five ESPN ninety two five ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. Insert random audio clip now. What's the recommended amount of dedicated wham I should have to serve? are coming to you live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios inside X-Golf Katy. One of these guys is going to beat the other in a golf simulation death match. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. New features in the Weight Watchers app just dropped. I've lost 60 pounds and I can still enjoy all of the foods that I love. Figuring out what to eat is honestly one of the hardest parts of a weight loss journey. The What's Eat feature helps you figure out exactly what to order when I go out to eat. In the My Progress tab, I can see just how far I've come, and it keeps me motivated. With Weight Watchers, I've learned that I can still be the healthiest version of myself. Weight Watchers' new app features can make your weight loss journey easier. So all you got to do is you. Join Weight Watchers today. I need some Weight Watchers in my life. I think that Fromber and uh, Javier, though, had a little bit of Weight Watchers. Fromber hasn't like, said how much weight he's lost. Did you just get a new deal that I didn't know about? No, a free plug just to, yeah. you know, to segue the segment because these guys are worried about their weight uh three guys uh, apparently have lost some weight we don't know how much jordan says that he was like you know he he conditioned a little bit more and then he ate better so jordan looks a little slimmer and he does he does look a little bit slimmer he trimmed up a little bit which i think is because he wants to play more in the field which i do not like yes uh but jordan trimmed up a little bit that's cool that's neat uh christian javier is down 10 to 15 pounds he said that he thinks it impacted his mechanics a little bit last year that's why you saw his uh you know his numbers go the wrong way on the mound he said that uh he was uh he was having some mechanical issues and he feels because he was a little bit overweight that it led to those mechanical issues so hopefully he's figured that out by going on weight watchers and losing a little bit of weight you uh, were all over that by the way credit he to was he was a little chunky he's a little chunky yeah. just a little bit and it the thing that that like it um 
the where, where I no, thought it mattered though wasn't so much the mechanics. Although, like hearing him say that, I can totally understand where he's coming from. Uh, I was thinking it bothered him more with the the pitch clock because yep. you're not as well conditioned. You have to hurry to make pitches. Javier has been a notorious slow worker, so it's like all of these things adding up, and then now you're kind of rushing or maybe out of breath a little bit, and it leads to maybe your arm drags a sec- like a little bit longer. Uh, he was saying he was getting out in front. Like, okay, well, does that all like does is that all the variables that lead to that? I don't know. Uh, but he's he slimmed down. That's good. I'd rather him be skinny than fat. And then Fromber, same thing. Fromber looks like he went on Weight Watchers this uh, this off season as well. I think that they were on a running program for the first time in a long time. I think that was a move to counter the new pitch clock, which I think is smart. Uh, John Smoltz talked about that a lot last year. And then the one guy you have on the opposite was Alex Bregman saying that he's up 20 pounds since last spring training started, which, okay, uh, okay. You, you Bregman do you, said, Bregman. here, hold you my you, whopper. Boo. I'm going to show you guys what you lost, I'm going to pick up. He does, and he look, I mean, you you can see him that he does look a little bit stout. You know, now nah, he doesn't look fat. It looks like muscle, so he probably did it the right way. I, I fully believe that he did it the right way, you know, eating some steaks and potatoes and all that good stuff. But which weight guy? There's four here. Jordan slimmed down. Javier's lost 10 to 15. Fromber looks flockle. And then uh, Alex Bregman's up 20 pounds since last spring training started. So which of these guys are you most encouraged for their weight loss or weight gain journeys? And then what are you concerned about their weight journeys? Yeah, I look at these guys and I say sometimes it's not even going to be how much you've lost because you can lose fat, gain muscle, get stronger, tighten everything up, uh, and maybe it doesn't tilt the scale one way or another too drastically, but you feel better and you're stronger and you're, you've got better cardio. Uh, I, I like what the pitchers have done. I think of the two, I think to me, I expect that regardless of, of – where Fromber's weight is, Fromber's still going to have effective stuff. Javier's the guy. The pitch count got up there. He was not getting as deep into games. Uh, he fell off a lot in the, you know, over the course of the second half. I think Javier, to me, is the most important to be trimmed up, and to, for in order for him to be the most effective. Um, so that is the the most encouraging thing to me. I'm concerned about Bregman because when your frame puts on 20 extra pounds, yes, it can help you with your strength. Yes, it could help you uh, with your uh, power, but it also could be a detriment because you're carrying that extra weight and that's on your calves and then your hamstrings and on your legs. And we all know that he's not the most fleet of foot anyway or the most athletic looking when he runs. And when you add extra weight to your frame, the chances are the, where it takes the biggest toll is on those key muscles in your legs. So that's what I'm going to be watching a lot. Bregman might be one of the most unathletic athletic guys in the city because I agree he's not super nimble, uh, but he's just a good baseball player. Um, I, he's the one that I'm most concerned for. Like I think it's good that Jordan trimmed up a little bit. Uh, I, I think it's really good that Javier and Framber trimmed up a little bit. The only one that I, I would be concerned about or, or is the extra weight. Like He has a smaller frame. And the last time that he packed on a bunch of weight and came to spring training, he says, look at me, I'm, I'm bigger this year. He had those injuries. He pulled his hamstring. You know, that's whenever he – like, remember he used to bust it down to first base all the time and then he pulled the hammy? And he's like, you know what, I'm probably going to have to not do this anymore, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. I don't think that pros should be busting it down the line on routine ground balls to short and risk a hamstring pull. So I actually agree with that. Uh, but Bregman's the one that I'm far more, most concerned about. I don't like that. He's done it in the past, and he had an injury-prone year. Uh, the one that I'm most encouraged for, Jordan to me doesn't like. If I was managing the team, I don't I don't need Jordan trimmed up because he would be my DH. But if he's going to play 49 games in left field, then that's cool that he's trimmed up. But to me, it's the starters. It has to come down to the starters for me. Uh, 
This is tough because I think but you can go – every time you have a pitcher conversation, I think the answer can be Javier or Fromber with any, any – no matter what the question is. No matter what the You're question right. is. And, and, Jeremy, to me the thing that, that translates on, on Jordan that I'm concerned about is I'm glad that he tightened up, but I hope it doesn't cause him to lose any power because a lot yeah. of times when guys trim up, they lose a little oomph in their power game. Now, I, I love his swing. Obviously, he can yeah. hit for power. He can hit for average. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I'm just saying that's something to at least kind of keep an eye on too. That if yeah, you lose I don't, weight, I don't think. But that's I don't that think he lost though. significant weight. Same. It might have been that he just kind of tightened it up. I think he's still equally as strong. I think he cut out, you know, sweets and junk food. You know what I mean? I but think he stopped eating the, the crust uh, on his pizza. Like probably. Yeah, I was going to say, don't pull the Yuli. You eliminate beer and pizza, yeah. and then you eliminate all chances of hitting the ball out of the infield. That, I mean, that's how I stay in such great shape, is I don't eat the crust on my pizza. That's that's why I have the body that I have. trying to double down on that terrible take? And that's why I have the body that I have. I'm going to go with Fromber. I'm going to go with the upside here. Uh, now, I think Javier has tremendous upside. Like I, I, This is why it's always a very difficult question for me to answer. Uh, but Fromber has had higher finishes in Cy Young's and has had more, like, you know, really productive seasons. So I'll go the one that I'm most encouraged about is Fromber. The one that I'm most concerned about is Bregman. Brian, do you have an answer? Yeah, and I think the most the most encouraging, I agree with you you guys, that it probably probably has to be the two pitchers. And as you guys remember from Tuesday when we did Cash or Trash, and I think Christian Javier has a chance to not only be, have a bounce-back season but be the best starting pitcher on this staff. And it, look, a lot of the questions we were talking about on Tuesday was like, okay, maybe – the uh, not having the World Baseball Classic a little bit shorter of an offseason, maybe that helps him get some velocity back because he's not as tired. But if you factor in this too with the weight and the weight loss and what he talked about it with messing with his mechanics, because not only was his fastball down a couple miles per hour, we saw too often that fastball that he would throw at the top of the zone would drift down just a tad. And so on top of it being in the wrong location, it was slower and guys were crushing it. So if he gets you know a couple extra miles per hour back on his fastball, he locates it better, then I think he could be just as nasty as he was in 2022. Uh, the other thing, though, just quickly on Fromber, I'm, I'm not really concerned so much about his mechanics or, or anything like that, but the, the thing that we all, I think, dread when Fromber pitches, when anytime there's a uh, ground ball in the infield that he tries to play, maybe if he loses a little bit of weight, maybe he becomes a slightly better defender. We have less throwing oh, years yeah. during games during games yeah. he starts, so I will take that as a uh, as a possible, uh, you know, op- optimistic outcome of his weight loss. He was I, trashed I defensively. He's so bad. Yeah, I, I think that's more to do with the brain weight in between his Same. ears because I think it's a mental thing. I'm, I'm just hopeful. I'm, I'm trying. I'm grasping at straws, but I, I'm hopeful that yeah. might have a little bit of a positive outcome. The uh, the twitchers are saying that you're too loud, Brian. That, that your levels are too high. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not there to look at the uh, the meter or the DVs, I, but I they're so. saying that you're too loud. I'll, I'll try to keep in check, and maybe maybe I just got you're, too excited about Christian Javier. You, you got you got a little excited when you started talking about Christian Javier. I, I didn't notice it, but the Twitchers did. Uh, maybe the maybe the terrestrial radio guys. Maybe they just don't like the sound of my voice, and they just want me to mute myself. Uh, maybe they might. They sometimes they do say that too. Well, but yeah, I think we'll it, find that out. We'll find out during <laughs> mean tweets. I think I think today they actually meant that you were actually literally uh, too loud. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Eric says a lot of Bregman and Tucker extension talk, but Fromber is coming up too. What are you paying him? I'm not. I'm letting him go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I have had this conversation previously. 
It's going to be real interesting because I, I totally believe that, that Tucker and Fromber are, are, are going to finish out these contracts, and they're probably going to be playing elsewhere. And I think it's going to be very similar to what we're dealing with with Bregman. Uh, and it depends a lot on where the rest of the team is. I don't foresee them trading either guy, but I see them as kind of falling in line with the rest of the bigger names that have been here that at a certain point when they price themselves out or think that they have too high of a value, they're going to find themselves finding those offers and opportunities at that price somewhere else. 713-780-3776. You make the call right now. Would you take second half of last year, Jose Abreu, for the full 2024? 713-780-3776. Killer Beats, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, another big weekend, another chance for you to get on MyBookie.ag. I always tell you about MyBookie.ag because it's the best place to put money down when you want to make a sporting event more interesting. There's lots going on this weekend still with the golf in Mexico. You've got all the different NBA and college basketball games, including a big one in Waco tomorrow. Uh, and if you want to make that game even more interesting or show you know kind of your loyalty to your team, go to MyBookie.ag. And as I always tell you, use our promo code BET975 because when you use that promo code, you reap the benefit benefits of getting added money in your account. They're always taking care of their customers. They've got sign-up bonuses. They've got reload bonuses. And obviously, when they when you go in and do that and use that promo code, you see those bonuses in your account almost instantly, and it makes everything more interesting because of the fact that you have more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and more chances you can win. And the fact is, is that even when there aren't games going on, there's live dealers standing by for casino games like poker and blackjack, and it's all because you go to mybookie.ag. It's the only place I tell you to do it. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag and use our promo code BET975. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it. You hooked up with it. You decided to marry it. I told you I wasn't into it. You said it didn't matter. Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios are currently inside the state-of-the-art golf simulators. Inside X-Golf Katie, guiding you through their sports talk simulation, it's the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy. X-Golf is great. Great spot in Katy. The most accurate golf simulators you can find. Full food, full bar, great spot. Get the uh, bays out there if you can beat that 15-under. What are they giving away if you beat the 15-under? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. If you know what they're giving away, uh, would you be okay with second half Jose Abreu for the Astros this year? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We'll get to that in one moment. Uh, AR Platinum says as long as nobody shows up looking like that boy Carlos Lee, I think we're good. It's a good call. Carlos Lee was a big boy. Carlos Lee, underrated. Underrated as a Houston Astro. You know, people look at Carlos Lee like he was awful. And he was overpaid, and the Astros, you know, kind of went downhill as a team after they brought in Carlos Lee. Carlos Lee, underrated baseball player. First time with the Astros. Triple zero two. you know how swole now CC Sabathia. He said he was much better being fat. What say you? A different era. Like, CC Sabathia didn't have to worry about the pitch clock. David Wells didn't have to worry about the pitch clock. I think now that you have a pitch clock, you can't be a fat pitcher anymore. I think you could get away being a fat pitcher before the pitch clock. I don't think you can get away with being a fat pitcher now that there is a pitch clock. 
I think we're having yeah, I think we're having some technical issues. Uh, I I will effort to get Joel back here from X Golf, Katie. But I agree with you. It's it's not necessarily that you can't have fat pitchers. It's just a completely different era. Like not everything that works in one era works in another era. The pitch clock can certainly change things. I don't know. I don't think you can be a fat pitcher anymore. I really do, and I don't mean to f- no fat shame, and I'm fat. But like, who is the fattest pitcher that still has success? Like Alec Manoa was kind of big. He was awful last year. I think Fromber was a couple of pounds overweight. He did not have a good second half. Same thing with Javier. Like, who is the? And I think you might be able to get away with this in relief because like it's one inning, you know. But who's a who's a big starter that had success last year? I can't think of any off the top of my head. A big. As in, like a position player? No, I'm talking about pitcher. I'm talking about specifically oh, a pitcher. I just, yeah, I just jump back in. I, I yeah. think that I think you're you and I have had the conversation in the past. Like the entire pitching philosophy and the pitching regiment changed with the pitch clock because Bartolo Colon pitched into his 40s at what nearly I don't, maybe not three bills but he was a very very large individual <laughs> yeah and 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 he didn't need to worry about it because you know in all my years pitching all the way through college and beyond you had to do you had to run the the, the poles you had to run the the you know from in the outfield prior to practices you had to run a mile to start practice three miles after practice because they all believed that part of pitching and the art of pitching correctly was having the cardio and the leg strength to do those things and I think because they're you know, because there wasn't a pitch clock, a lot of veterans get fat and happy. A lot of it has to do with your contract as well. But guys were like, look, as long as I'm throwing strikes and I'm effective, it's not like I'm running the bases or doing things that make it necessary for me to be in the best shape of my life. And it started to wane. And now because of the pitch clock, I think it had, the, the, the philosophical way that you approach the art of pitching has changed. Yeah, I don't think that you can be a fat starting pitcher and be very – like every now and then it's going to happen. But, like, the days of just having a bunch of overweight starters that were still good, I think, are gone. Uh, 8924, Yuli got worse when he leaned up. Yuli didn't get worse because he leaned up. Yuli got worse because he got old. That's why Yuli got worse. Uh, Joe Kunell will be as fat as he wants, and you'll have to deal with it. Well, you know, he's probably not going to have to see him in the big leagues. Uh, he's a 4A pitcher, so I'm not going to have to deal with it. He's going to have but, to deal with but, me yeah. watching him on TV in a big league game. Now, Jeremy, do you think that that, that changes a bit? when you get to the bullpen as opposed to starters. Yes. You yeah. still have the pitch clock, but it's for a much more condensed, shorter period of time as opposed to a starter who you're looking to get five, six innings out of. I, I 100% agree with you. I think that you can do it in a burst. I think you can get three yeah. outs. I think it's about going deeper into games. I, I completely agree. Uh, yeah. One nine seven zero best fat hitter of all time, Tony Gwynn. Uh, late in his career, Tony Gwynn wasn't fat first half of his career, though. Like he was pretty. No, he was pretty Tony Gwynn was athlete. a point guard at San Diego State yeah. too, and and a damn good one. He 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 came into the league in, in really good shape, and maybe he did get a little comfortable late in his career. But the bottom line was he could rake. Uh, Jose Abreu last year in the second half of the season after the All Star break, he played in fifty four games where he had that little stint in the IL. He had eleven home runs in fifty four games. Like you do the math on that, you're you're flirting with thirty home runs. If if you if you you know pace it out for 162 games, um, he had 238. He had a 313 on base. He had a 447 slugging. Doing the math on that, that is a 760 OPS. So would you take a Jose Abreu for the entire 2024? Or is this a major disappointment? Where you have a 760 OPS Jose Abreu and he's hitting 11 homer in 54 game pace. Let's just say that you know it rounded up to 25, 30 home runs. Would you take that? I mean, 30 home runs sounds like a ton for Jose Abreu. Uh, would really you take does. second That's... half Jose Abreu? I mean, 
you could split some of the split hairs on some of the other stuff. But if you're giving me 30 home runs and a better than average OPS, and you're telling me that that that's what you're getting to to contribute to the rest of this lineup, I'll take it all day every day because of the fact that we had questions, you know, with the three year deal and the amount of money that he signed for. But for this lineup this year, with what's what's needed out of him, so that the offense can be where we expect them to be i'll take it and i'll i'll basically run away from it going i'm good let's worry about other positions now because if that's what i'm getting out of him we you know we we got excited when we didn't really buy in at first to was there really a back issue was this just a whole lot of hey get a chance to kind of step away a little bit settle down mentally and physically and figure out how you figure you fit in i'll take that because of the fact that at this stage in his career, too, with the lineup he's he's batting in, he'd be just fine. Seven sixty OPS for a first baseman isn't isn't very good, but with his age and how disastrous it was in the first half last year, I'll sign up for that seven sixty OPS. And I'll even I'll even say that he's not going to go with that home run pace that he was on the second half of last year. I'll just call it twenty home runs. I'll take twenty home runs, seven sixty OPS from Abreu, and that's going to be under like the worth of the contract. But because of how bad that first half was last year, sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. Remember the fact that he had to do the Carl Lewis around the bases? He yeah. was so excited because the drought was so long for him to hit a home run. That's disrespectful. I mean, we don't want to, to see Carl that Lewis. again. Huh? <laughs> that was disrespectful to it's, Carl Lewis. Well, yeah, but it's your U of H guy. I know, but it was just very slow. Carl Lewis would have done it true. in the blink of an eye. Uh, Brian, yeah. you take Jose Abreu second half? Absolutely, but I would actually like to narrow it down a little bit uh, more than just the second half because, to me, that doesn't really tell the full story because, as Joel mentioned, it's kind of post-injury where we saw this you know, resurgence from Jose Abreu. So if you take just when he came back from the IL stint, which was August 23rd, through the end of the regular season, of course – he's not going to actually match these on-pace numbers because these on-pace numbers are absurd. But it just highlights how well he hit during that stretch, which was 117 uh, at-bats. He was on pace over 162 for 42 home runs, 178 RBI with an 845 OPS. And then he continued it in the postseason where his postseason uh, pace over 162 was 59 homers, 191 RBI with a 945 OPS. So, I don't know. If, I don't know if Brian's going to last on this show. <laughs> I can just tell you that right now. Uh, this this RBI in a plural sense is driving me nuts. Uh, we, we've had this argument for years going back to our time at the highway at hell. We, I, I don't want to bore the, the listeners with it. But, look, it just points out to Joel's point about, you know, not maybe not buying into if he was hurt. Certainly, when you look at what he did coming back August 23rd through the end of the regular season, then in the postseason, which was, what, 11 games? It's not a tiny – it's not a huge sample size, but it's not tiny. And he was, you know, probably top three, top four hitter on the Astros during that time. He was fantastic. So I think he actually could uh, have a pretty good season this year. That would be nuts. Like, I mean, that, that would help the offense tremendously if Jose Abreu – not even, like, just be 75% Jose Abreu. Like, and you have that in five, six spot, that's, 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 that's appetizing. If the truth lies somewhere in the middle from the outlandish numbers that BMAC put out there and just the second half Abreu, and you can find some kind of happy medium where he hits between 20 and 30 bombs, and I'm fine with the OPS, you know, up plus over 750, uh, but giving, giving you production from – from a, an average standpoint, as well as from a, a, a power standpoint like that, I, I'm good with it either way. I, I'm yeah. walking away going, yep, I'll take that with this Especially, lineup. Even if he hits like 240, like give me 240, mm-hmm. 760 OPS, 20 home runs. 
Uh, not doesn't live up to the contract, but it certainly surpasses what he did the first half last year. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line. Do you take that second half that Abreu had over the full season? Uh, there's some there's some big stars that are available in the NFL. At least the rumors are out there that big stars could be available to trade. Which trade candidates are out there that interest you for the? Texans seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer Bees ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. We're ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five, thriving on chaos. I'm here to kill chaos. That's my chaos.